0: everybody, I'm Hub, and welcome back to another episode of Tighten Up the Defense, a podcast that would probably really benefit from a tagline. Could have used it right then. So if you're listening to this as it comes out, then tomorrow is Thanksgiving for American listeners. We actually have a pretty decent international crowd, so if you're listening abroad, hi, how's it going? In America, it's Thanksgiving tomorrow. It is my sincere hope that someone out there is using this podcast to learn English. You would have such a skewed perspective on how useful the word poop deck is in our language. At any rate, before I started off on this digression, I was about to go on a different digression about Thanksgiving. I know it's been a really rough year for a lot of people, but the good news is the year's almost over, and the better news is Thanksgiving's a pretty fun holiday in a lot of ways. A celebration of things that we are grateful for and uh, opportunity to look at the good things that we have going on in our lives, which is pretty cool. One thing that I am personally grateful for is that my family will not be having a turducken this year. Not that we have in the past. I think I've been to a Friendsgiving-type event that had a turducken one year. I have very mixed opinions on this uh, amalgamation of birds. There's part of me that really likes the idea of, you know, gluttony in excess in general, but specifically the fact that it evokes like a medieval type of feast where the whole point was to have as many different animals stuffed into other animals as you could as part of a meal, which, yes, yeah, sounds totally barbaric and frankly kind of gross, but I, there, there's something about that, that that sounds kind of appealing. Like, yeah, so, you know, we stuffed an ocelot into a zebra because we want to prove the king is rich. Okay, when I say that, that actually sounds awful. So, I guess I don't have as many mixed opinions on the turducken as I thought I did. My main objection to the bird is, or as I said, amalgamation of birds, is that it has the word turd right in the name. And in general, I try to avoid eating things that have turd as part of the name. I feel like if somebody wanted to trick you into eating poop, they would make it into a turducken and then say like, what did you think it was? It said that right at the beginning. And be like, all right, you fucking got me. Bah. Oh. Oh. That went in a very unpleasant direction, and I'm sorry about that. Anyway, happy Thanksgiving. Let's get on to this uh, podcast. Every week we look at either a issue of The Defenders or an issue of the new Teen Titans, and this week is no exception. This week we're going to take a look at Teen Titans number three, so let's get on with this shit. Today's synopsis rhyme is submitted by Brad Reed. Brad, you've been killing it lately. Thanks, man. Not to know stuff is better. They say ignorance is bliss. I'ma take that away with a synopsis. Synopsis. Thanks, Brad. Teen Titans, number three. January, 1981. The Fearsome Five. Written by Marv Wolfman. Drotted by George Perez. With inks by Frank Chiaramonte, whose name I probably just said wrong. Sorry, Frank. New Teen Titans roll call Robin. Kid Flash. Wonder Girl. Beast Boy, who I still refuse to call Changeling. Raven! Cyborg! Starfire! Robin, Wonder Girl, Kid Flash, Beast Boy, and Starfire are chilling on the roof of Wonder Girl's swanky penthouse apartment. Wonder Girl shares that she has a new roommate. Starfire. They all enjoy some refreshments while Starfire gazes at the night sky and waxes nostalgic about her home planet, Tamarind. Seriously? Like Tamarind? Coriander? Is Starfire's whole background going to be filled with spices used in Indian food? I'm starting to think that she kaiser-associated her whole backstory while looking at a takeout menu. Before she gets a chance to tell us about her cousin, Gratuati Incla Udid, we cut to a different scene that is happening across town. Two totally inconspicuous individuals are arriving at a meeting. They're both wearing fedoras and trench coats, so my guess is that they're probably The Thing and Raphael from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on their way to a poker game, or six children trying to sneak into an R-rated movie. Or two supervillains on their way to a meeting with three other supervillains because one of them took out an ad in the back of a newspaper published specifically for supervillains. Yeah, turns out to be the last one. Old Teen Titans foe, all-around piece of shit, and color-swapped Adam Strange cosplayer Dr. Light has taken out an ad in the back of the Underworld Star to recruit a team of super baddies called the Fearsome Five. Our incognito newcomers introduce themselves as Mammoth, a straight-up juggernaut ripoff but without the full body hat, and his sister Shimmer, who has the fantastic and totally bullshit ability to turn things into other things. Shimmer is clearly the brains of the duo, but to be fair, if the duo consisted of Mammoth and Jar of Marmalade, the Jar of Marmalade would be the brains of the duo. Speaking of brains, the siblings are introduced to Simon, with a P, a telepath whose brain is visible through the glass dome he has instead of a skull, Gizmo, a diminutive technomancer who is constantly fidgeting with new inventions, and Spoonie G, Okay, actually, the final member of the Villainous Quintet is the aforementioned Dr. Light. But if you're starting a crew in 1981 New York called The Fearsome Five, it is kind of surprising that no old-school rappers have tried to join up. I mean, The Fantastic Five, The Treacherous Three, The Funky Four Plus One, The Furious Five. Fearsome Five would have fit right in. Hell, I bet half the guys hanging out at the Disco Fever had a subscription to the Underworld Star. Definitely DJ Junebug did. Rest in peace. Anyway, Dr. Light tells his fellow super crooks the reason he placed an ad for teammates is that he wants to destroy the Teen Titans. The Titans in question are still chilling on Donna's rooftop. Coriandar fills him in on a bit of her backstory. Back on her home planet of Turmeric, or whatever, Starfire reveals that her people are ruled by emotion rather than logic. That's why she sometimes goes all berserker when she's fighting bad guys. They've been at war with the Gordanians, the gassy little Godzilla guys from the first issue, for a super long time, until her dad sold her into slavery to them in exchange for world peace. Shitty. Also, sounds like a fairly logical, dispassionate decision for a people that she just described as being ruled by their emotions. Like that's some straight up Vulcan, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few shit. Well, eventually she escaped from the farty little godzillas as we saw in issue 1, and now she's kinda bummed cause she misses her folks and can never go home. Suddenly. Raven pops in and tells him they have to leave right now to go fight some guys. Robin's like, hold on a second, we'd like some more details. So, Kid Flash punches him in the face. Huh? Wally's all like, fuck you, don't you dare question Raven, she's the greatest sexy druid slash giant bird lady ever, everything she says is great! Interesting. Raven tells everyone to chill out, so everybody chills out. Back at the Fearsome Fives meeting place, the gang isn't so enthusiastic about Dr. Light's let's kill some teenage superheroes plan. Gizmo, Mammoth, and Shimmer point out that A. They've never heard of the Teen Titans. 2. Killing the Justice League's teenage pals just might piss off the Justice League. And C. They just want to steal shit. Dr. Light tries to counter that No, 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 no. Killing teenagers is great. They're super annoying. Fair point. Simon, with a P, interrupts the argument to point out that it's kind of irrelevant because the Titans are about to bust in and start fighting them whether they want it or not. Sure enough, the Titans break in through the skylight, and everybody fights. It's pretty evenly matched until Shimmer uses her bullshit power to turn the floor into ether and KOs the Teen Titans. Rather than press their advantage, the fearsome five fly off into the night for some reason. As soon as the ether hits, Raven pops off into that weird dimension she goes to sometimes to stand on a cliff and interact with some disembodied eyeballs. This time, instead of apologizing to the eyes, she yells at them, which feels like a step in the right direction, because those eyes seem like an asshole. Meanwhile, Cyborg, who has been conspicuously absent from the adventure so far, is hanging out in his shitty midtown apartment. His dad stops by to get yelled at and drop off some mail. Amongst the mail is an invitation to the grand opening tomorrow of a place called the Titan Tower. Hmm. The next day, all the Titans except for Raven show up for the event. The Titan Tower turns out to be a giant futuristic T-shaped building on a small island in the East River. None of them can figure out who sent the invitations or built the building for them, but they agree that one it's a pretty sweet headquarters, and B, it's probably a trap. Before they can investigate any further, Raven pops in and tells him they have to go fight again. Robin says he would like some more info first, and before Wally gets a chance to hit him, Raven's like, okay, good point, here's some info. Some. She explains that she trained in the mystic arts, in a place called the Temple Azerath. Which mystic arts? All the mystic arts. That's a lot of mystic arts. Ooh, I hope she did some Mystic Ceramics, because I would like a Mystic Mug. That would be pretty sweet. If any of you guys is into Mystic Ceramics and wants to send me a Mystic Mug, that would be pretty good. You know know what doesn't hold up that great? Mystic Pizza. I mean, it's not terrible, but it's not a particularly great movie. Although fucking Vincent D'Onofrio kills it, because Vincent D'Onofrio always fucking kills it. Guy's rad. Anyway, One day, Raven was in a deep trance when she started having visions of a super powerful evil being named Trigon the Terrible. Apparently his are the disembodied eyes she's been alternately apologizing to and yelling out. Turns out, Trigon wants to destroy slash conquer the world by tricking the JLA into releasing a giant goofy looking demon named Goron, who is I guess going to soften the planet up so that Trigon can crush it, quote, like an overripe melon, end quote. Then her vision faded, but she's pretty sure that the newly formed Fearsome Five are somehow involved in Trigon's plan to go all Gallagher's Sledgematic on the Earth. Also, even though the Fearsome Five are going to try to get the Titans to fight the Justice League, the Titans should fight the Justice League and beat them because she has a hunch and mystic arts and prophecy and blah 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 blah. Speaking of blah, over in New Jersey, the Fearsome Five are hanging out in their new headquarters. Dr. Light has a plan. He wants to trick the Teen Titans into fighting the Justice League for some reason. Hmm, sounds familiar. He's not quite sure where the plan came from or why he wants to do it, but still. Suddenly, Simon with a P uses a mind bolt to smack the shit out of Dr. Light. Hooray! Simon with a P explains that the reason Light doesn't understand the plan is because it was Simon with a P's plan, not Dr. Light's. The clear-domed telepath has been mentally controlling light this whole time. Simon with a P fills the rest of the five in on a little bit of his backstory. Until recently, he was just a regular old research scientist named Simon with an S Jones, who was trying to break the barriers between dimensions. He was working in his lab late one night, when his eyes beheld an eerie sight. Some extra-dimensional eyeballs began to rise, and suddenly, to his surprise, they didn't do the mash. They didn't do the Monster Mash. Sorry. Instead, they zapped him with a weird energy beam that transformed him into the glass-domed powerful telepath they see before them today. He is now totally in the power of Trigon, and he is using his telepathy to put the rest of the Five in his power. So, by the transitive property, the Fearsome Five are now in the power of Trigon. Bummer. Simon with a P sends out a mental challenge to the Titans, telling them to come fight the Fearsome Five. The Titans receive Simon with a P's fight invitation. They figure it's probably a trap, but in true Teen Titan tradition, they decide to walk right into it. Because that's how you deal with traps. The Titans rush off to battle the Fearsome Five on the deck of the Ocean Liner the Five invited them to fight on. Wait, a a fight on a boat? Could it be? Yup, for the second issue in a row, a Poop Deck Donnybrook ensues. Hooray, Poop Deck Donnybrooks! Unfortunately, the Poop Deck Donnybrook... Doesn't go so great for the Titans. They fight for a while, but eventually the Fearsome Five kinda kick their asses and capture all of them. Well, except for Raven, who as usual was sitting this one out. Simon with a P gloats a bit, which I guess he's earned. His crew took out the Titans pretty decisively. I hate to say it, but the Fearsome Five are pretty badass. Except for Dr. Light. Fuck that guy. They should kick him out and replace him with, like, L.A. Sunshine or Lovebug Starsky. Ooh, or Fab Five Freddy. He could change his name to Fearsome Five Freddy. I know he doesn't have any superpowers, but I bet he could get Blondie to do a song about the Fearsome Five. I'd listen to that. And joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Cory. Cory, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you? Ah, you know, same old sixes and sevens. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's like 13. Yep. Oh no, that's unlucky! Well, it's good if you're shooting cops. What? Isn't no, that... sevens are good. Sixes don't mean shit. Also, wait, how do you get a six and a seven if you're shooting craps? I don't know. I just thought that was where the expression came from. I I think maybe it's same old sixes and sevens means some good, some bad, because I don't think a six means anything.
1: That's weird, because that's normally good with a dice that has six sides.
0: Sure, a six is good, but you couldn't get a seven if you're only doing one. But if you're playing craps, if you roll a natural seven, then that's good. Yeah. I don't really understand the rules of craps. I mostly know that phrase from the movie Shaft, which is a great movie. Ah, Barney, how's it going? And he says, you know, same old sixes and sevens, Shaft. A couple of cats were looking for you. And Shaft says, Harlem cats? And Barney says, how in the hell should I know? Everybody looks the same to me because he's blind. Right. Also, I guess he has a stutter. But yeah, I guess I never really looked more closely into the phrase same old sixes and sevens. Nor I. I just have it in my head that it had
1: to do with shooting dice.
0: Maybe it does. There is virtually no way to find out this information. Yep, bummer. It's a goddamn shame. Yep. Anyway, glad to hear you're doing well. Thanks. Uh, what'd you think of the issue? I thought a lot of stuff happened. Yeah. This is (laughs) my least favorite of the Teen Titans issues we've done so
1: far, I gotta say. It's not bad. It's fine. Backstory is nice on, uh, Coriander. Sort of, although I want to get into some of that. I mean, it's nice to have some backstory. It's
0: nice to have some backstory, yes. And a lot of things happen with exposition, and I have a theory, but it really... (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah, I know. It seems like a lot happens, but it's kind of spinning wheels, and it's just kind of getting, like, things out of the way. And the pacing seemed really forced and not great in it. Mm. What did you think?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think that's an accurate synopsis. That's not a synopsis, Corey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's not? (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I agree with that comment about the pacing and the exposition and whatnot. Yeah, it seemed a little bit thrown together, and I know it's leading somewhere, and they want to get us in the next issue and, and have it with the cliffhanger and all.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering how much of that is
1: due to the fact that this is
0: following something that was called the DC explosion but which was then followed by the dc implosion where dc released a whole bunch of titles really quickly to try to compete with marvel and then ended up having to cancel all of them and then some more in addition to that and really pare down their line of titles and this is this happened in the 70s and i wonder to what extent wolfman was feeling pressure because they hadn't really gotten any of the sales numbers back so the series ended up doing really well Mm -hmm. but I feel like maybe Wolfman was like, I got to get as much of this story underway as I can, as quickly as I can before this title gets canceled. And maybe rushing, they tease that there's going to be a crossover with the Justice League coming mm-hmm. right up. And if it was just like, I want to get to that crossover as soon as I can to boost the numbers so the series doesn't get canceled. Priming the audience as much as possible to
1: yeah for job security. Yeah.
0: But the stuff with, especially the stuff with the Fearsome Five, like you're introduced to the group, you're introduced to four new members of the group. We've seen Dr. Light before, everybody else, since their first appearance. Mm-hmm. And then immediately they're a team. That team already undergoes a leadership change. Mm-hmm. This seems like the sort of thing that would normally be teased out over a couple of issues, at least.
1: Yeah, they smash in that and the backstory of Simon. Yeah man he should have a little, ast- a little apostrophe in his in his he name totally should cuz it, it's it's a dumb name <laughs> where the fuck does that ponytail come from
0: i was curious about that too the dude doesn't have any hair he didn't have hair before he got trans like he didn't have long hair before he got transformed into this glass dome shaped dude mm-hmm. and then he's got like a shitty pink and purple ponytail like, at the bottom of this head that doesn't have any hair on it.
1: Yeah, it's like a bad, uh... Stellar.
0: I think they just really wanted to make super sure that I hated this dude.
1: Just <laughs> <laughs> attach a shitty ponytail to his glass head. Yeah,
0: he, do- he doesn't look evil enough. Um, let's give him a shitty little ponytail in the back. Yeah, I do not like Simon. I have trouble with, like, mind-control people to begin with. If it's a mind-control bad guy. General. Yeah, it's an unfair prejudice that I have <laughs> in my does. life. It people who the... try to mind-control me. Uh, I'm touchy about it. Yeah, loosen up.
1: Yeah, I know, man. It it just... I... No, help. Loosen up. Oh, man.
0: It, um, is it working? <laughs> uh no, no, <laughs> no. Remember the song at the beginning of the podcast. Tighten up. This... Tighten oh, oh. up. Tighten up. I'm back. Oh, I foiled you,
1: Corey. With the power of Archie, Bell, no. and the drills. You were able to foil my non assistant mind control, trying to get you to loosen up.
0: Hooray!
1: <laughs> nice work.
0: Thank you. And thank you, Archie, Bell, and the drills. All of the stuff with the Fearsome 5 seems like really. I wish we had a little bit more time to breathe with this issue. And we really don't. Like I said, the pacing seems forced. And that theory that I came up with, which is totally just me making shit up, but that seems like the sort of thing that was going on, even if it was kind of subconscious. Mm. Just like, let's hurry up this storytelling. We want to get to the crossover so that the sales numbers will boost. I don't know. What did you think of the Fearsome Five in general? I want to read that fucking
1: classified ads so bad. Me too, man. <laughs> I have that written down. Evil guy who controls light. ISO, strong man, and sister. Like... Do you think he even had, like, the roles within the group? What he was
0: like, so we need a mind control guy? Or does he just, like, need five villains for a team? Already have alliteration.
1: <laughs> I think I think it's more like that.
0: Like, 420 friendly. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. 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 Must be drug disease free.
0: Right. No drug diseases. Oh, is it the uh, no,
1: that... Seriously. We got crimes to do, people.
0: <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Keep your eyes on the prize. <laughs> but, yeah, because he doesn't even say what he wants the team to do. Mm-hmm. Because when they show up, they're just like, oh, um, yeah, we're just... We just like to steal shit. We don't want to kill a bunch of teenagers. Mm-hmm. And... He's like, no, come on, we should kill a bunch of
1: teenagers. And that plan is fucking ludicrous, too, because his whole thing behind it is, hey, if we kill teenagers, nobody's going to mess with us. Yeah, that's the opposite. And pretty (laughs) much everybody says that they are like no all the actual heroes are gonna revenge they would
0: hate it if we killed their teenage pals which they totally would yeah Yeah, it is a terrible plan Dr. Light is an idiot I wish he would stay as the nominal head of the fearsome five longer than he does though because I really appreciate a good Cobra Commander Destro type relationship going on like Uh, I like a blowhard idiot in charge of an evil organization and I think that could have been fun you're in luck (laughs) <laughs> yeah good point <laughs> be careful what you wish for oh uh, sorry Too yeah sorry. yeah no um well played i i learned some interesting shit not about anything important but about <laughs> cobra commander
1: oh oh good do you know why cobra was founded um for the destruction of the enemy yeah he didn't want to pay taxes Oh, really he' yeah. a tax activist,
0: yeah, he absolutely was a tax <laughs> activist. that was what the terrorist organization of Cobra was founded upon. Oh, okay, he didn't want to pay taxes and why why is his voice so high pitched i don't I don't know that always seemed weird to me i it, it's I don't know why is Starscream's voice so high pitched and skeletor we've had were the, the same guy we've had this skeletor wasn't anything. the same guy was he The He's same voice came. actor. You,
1: you'll think about the sound a little mm. bit. it's the same pitch, the same timber, hmm stuff.
0: I feel like Skeletor is shit. Skeletor can't be
1: the same voice as Cobra Commander. It's entirely possible that he's the same voice. Oh, as
0: Cobra. Corey, you're blowing my mind. Once again, if only there were any way to find out this information. But I looked in the encyclopedia, it's not there. Mm. Uh, oh, well. well. What can you do?
1: Yeah, you gotta move on.
0: Yeah, I really want to read that classified ad that he put out. <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> and, yeah, well, And I love
0: that there is a. Not just a magazine, but a newspaper that is just for Mm supervillains. That must have a very low circulation. I bet that is expensive. That's probably why we can't get it. It's probably like a vanity project. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe not a vanity project, but like for a while. Do you know who, I think it's Lenny Dykstra. He was a baseball player in the 80s -hmm. who made a ton of terrible financial decisions and kept just going broke. But one of the things that he squandered a ton of his money on was he published a magazine that was specifically for professional athletes oh. to read. Not about professional athletes, but like, no, here's a magazine that I will publish that will be just for professional athletes. Mm. And surprisingly, it didn't do that well because there aren't that many professional athletes. You I feel like it has they're... the same business model. I actually kind of wonder if Lenny Dykstra was publishing that newspaper for super villains. Oh shit!
1: Well, the timing the early eighties,
0: yeah. uh, he may not have been into that yet. I think he was still an active baseball player in the early eighties. Mm. There's a lot I don't know about Len Dykstra. Yeah. So what do you, what do you think? We're introduced to we've seen Doctor Light before once again. Fuck that guy.
1: Yeah, what
0: a dick. Uh, Yeah, total dick. But he's, if possible, even more of a goofy, irrelevant dick in this issue than he was in his last Teen Titans appearance. Mm-hmm. He, he has the respect of no one. Mm-hmm. Like, not even the other villains.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I like that. And like I said, I wish he was their leader still. Yeah. What do you think of Gizmo? We talked about Simon a little bit. <laughs> yeah.
1: Big yeah. thumbs down on that Jack- fuckhead. Jackass. Yeah. Gizmo's all right. I think Gizmo's kind of my favorite. I like that he calls the other guys jerks. Yeah, they are jerks. Mm-hmm. And when we get to the show and tell, Well, I have a, a Gizmo moment. A in Gizmo there moment. Too. Yeah, no, I, I I think I know what
0: you're talking about. That was almost mine. But you no, know, I, I I like Gizmo. I like I like the idea that he's just like every panel you see him and he's fidgeting and inventing someone and distracted and it's like part of his personality as much as it's his superpower, and I really appreciate that. Mammoth? Uh is what he says on the box. He's a big dumb guy. Yeah, he is so dumb. Almost note for note, like, juggernaut without a full-body helmet. Mm-hmm. He, he just really specifically strikes me as a juggernaut ripoff.
1: Yeah, and he and his sister both have kind of exotic-sounding first names that are yeah. non-superhero names. I wonder
0: names. if they're maybe from another dimension? It, I don't know. It seems
1: like we Because be he's
0: Baron, there. but B-A-R-A-N? hmm Maybe it was just supposed to be Baron, but he his parents didn't know how to smell spell
1: mm. and
0: shimmer shimmer is cool looking yeah uh, <laughs> Yes. she she has a very revealing outfit in a weirdly specific way where it's a series of tiny little circles going down the entire front of her mm-hmm. outfit that do reveal some cleavage which is i think what you were referring to with your enthusiasm Corey. She looks like a super disco outfit person. Yeah, I
1: think part of that too is the, the big red afro that she has, which is is kind of cool looking. Yeah, and the boots that come like up to mid thigh that are like look almost like garters, but they're like just shiny boots.
0: Yeah, I I really I think she has a pretty sol- pretty solid costuming. Uh, I think she's got a pretty good look going. I like her and Gizmo's outfits. I think are the best. Mm-hmm. I hate her power. It's just so vague and that she can just turn anything into anything anything else there are a bunch of heroes and villains that have that power and it always just seems like that's just stupid and vague and cheating
1: and and i don't like it the ether choice i i thought was was interesting though when she turns everything into ether
0: it again is one of those things where so much in this comic book seems so Mm old-timey for like A new Teen Titans that's for a hip new millennium. (laughs) Not
1: laudanum. Oh,
0: God. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised she didn't turn things into into laudanum. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of which, we got a bozo in this issue. (laughs) We do. We got a bozo count of one, but we don't have any turkeys. Nobody calls anybody a turkey. That's a shame. I know, especially as uh, Thanksgiving is. Well, by the time this is released, Thanksgiving is tomorrow. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Turkey Day. Gobble, gobble. We did get a bah. We got a bah. That's more Christmassy. Um,
1: <laughs> oh, Scrooge McDuck.
0: Yeah. Or, or, sc- Scrooge, or Scrooge Or just Scrooge McDuck. I mean,
1: Scrooge McDuck with his old-timey English.
0: Yeah. But we also have maybe my favorite insult that's used in this. I didn't use it for my zinger. But two different people called Dr. Light a crumb. Yeah,
1: And
0: <laughs> I really love crumb as an insult. I've
1: never heard that before. I've heard I crummy
0: have. and crumb bum. Have you heard crumb bum? Sounds like I... yeah. You call somebody a crumb bum. Ooh, fighting words. Yeah. Mm. They got. But I, I really like. Like if you think about it, that is just like, oh, that is that is dismissive. Like you're a crumb. Like you just brush that yeah. right off. Yeah, you're you're just a leftover piece of trash. You're a morsel,
1: <laughs> not even a tender morsel. No, no not a, a morsel tender morsel. Wants. You're just
0: a crumb, just a dry morsel. That's stale. what you. Yeah, yeah, stale, dry morsel. Yeah, boo. Yeah, that's what you are, Doctor Light, Doctor Arthur Light. Yep. I know we've talked about this before. I love that his actual just last name is Light, and he is a doctor. Mm. So his superhero name is just his literal name. That's pretty good. Yeah,
1: it's a a nice coincidence.
0: So, story opens up. Everybody's chilling
1: at Donna's sweet swinging fucking pad. That place is swanky. It sure is. And uh, she must, like, that stipend must be an actual not a stipend. Because I'm led to believe a stipend is a money, an amount of money that is too small to be a uh, salary.
0: Yeah, Donna's a fucking trust fund kid. And this is the first this has really come up. And... She reacts to it the way a lot of trust fund kids react to it. It makes me like Donna less.
1: She I hate to She's say like, I work? Or... That,
0: yeah. Okay. So Beast Boy is like, damn, this place is fucking sweet. And this is a dude who owns a palatial mansion in the Hamptons. Mm-hmm. He's like, this place must be super expensive. How do you afford this, Donna? And she goes, I work. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and also I get a stipend from my parents. Mm-hmm. It's like. Donna, you're a fucking trust fund kid.
1: Paradise Island must be doing pretty good.
0: Well, her mom is the queen. Mm. And they have, like, objectively a lot of gold. Ah. Uh, it seems
1: like. Enough such that she can afford to buy Cokes and 7-Ups for her friends and <laughs> say that they're free.
0: I know! I wrote that down, too! That was That's weird. such a weird thing!
1: Like... Like, like when, like, you come over, I'm like, hey, hub, would you like a beer for free? <laughs> I'm gonna... <laughs> Doing that. Because it makes me yeah, it makes me think Because like, I paid for it, but I'm not gonna ask you to reimburse me. Thank you, Corey Well you're my brother. <laughs> <laughs> Come over anytime.
0: Free Cokes and seven up. I wonder what she had already charged them for that evening. Maybe that's how she affords that place, because that place is fucking sweet. It's a fucking penthouse in the East 80s in New York that has trees on the rooftop. Yeah, they you get like to pay a like multiple trees. Yeah.
1: New York trees are not cheap.
0: No. They're, they're hanging out up there and they're stargazing, and that makes Coriander <laughs> homesick. <laughs> and it makes her miss her home planet. I'm sure this has come up before, but I had never noticed it before. Hmm. Her home planet, what's her home planet's named? I forget. Tamaran. Ah. Uh. So Her name is Coriander, and she's from the planet Tamarind.
1: Oh, okay.
0: I'm starting to think that she makes up her whole backstory whole cloth, Mm -hmm. like she's just Kaiser So saying an Indian takeout menu.
1: (laughs) Ah. Yeah, what's her dad's name? Salanter?
0: (laughs) Salanter-o.
1: Ah, yep. Mm -hmm.
0: We also find out that on her home planet of Tamarind, I'm sorry, Tamaran, they love with their whole hearts, And then they hate with their whole hearts. So they are very gracious and open and loving with their friends. But they also like to fight and are like battle lusty and show no compassion to their enemies. And I think that's interesting. And it's an interesting character to try to establish that like, yeah, an alien world would have different precepts. They wouldn't have the same things. They wouldn't have the same ideas of compassion that we have. And that doesn't necessarily make them bad. Mm Mm-hmm kind of seems like it makes him bad i mean i'm not crazy about this home planet. yeah it seems like that like they did she describes it as a paradise
1: mm-hmm.
0: her dad doesn't seem to have the same kind of battle lust he does because he just is like or the same kind of loving and full protection of his family because he gives her up for the good of her planet or yeah, whatever pretty pragmatic yeah not which, very passionate yeah, which is is counter to what she has described her culture as. Well, she only knew her culture up to the age of what is she like? Sixteen?
1: Like, yeah, like, or maybe younger. I think she's she... supposed to be older than that.
0: I think she's supposed to be like around eight. I think they're all supposed to be like around eighteen or nineteen. And yeah, she Beast Boy is supposed to be younger
1: for like what four years? Two years? I thought. Let's, Let's check. check. She was a prisoner for some amount of time. Let's check she's, how long she's drawn. She very prisoner. young, like she hasn't blossomed into young adulthood the way that she's depicted before they send her off to slavery so i was assuming she was like a tween
0: she was first taken to the citadel itself for more than two earth years then sold as a slave so probably about four years total
1: Mm -hmm. yeah
0: okay so she may not have a full conception of what her culture was like that makes sense They set up a false dichotomy, which I hate when it comes up in science fiction and fantasy novels, though, where she says, we didn't have any advanced science on our planet. Bullshit. First of all, the picture that you show is this like giant architectural mansion. You have fucking science. If you can build a house,
1: you have science. And also you can shoot lasers out of your hand. So you probably figured out how to do something with those. Yeah, that may be a biological thing. Oh, I know. I'm just saying, like, the application of that right. amount of readily available energy.
0: But you know what else she does? She drives a fucking spaceship like a pro. They have fucking technology. There's, I, I hate it when there is seen as a division like between, like, oh, on this planet science doesn't work. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Mm-hmm. Like, when you bring in the idea of magic, a lot of times it's like, oh, well, magic works here, but science doesn't.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's kind of a trope that comes up. It came up in a lot of those, like, shitty Piers Anthony novels I like to read when I was in, like, uh, 4th through ninth grade, I'd say, probably. Xanth novels? Not specifically in the Xanth ones, in the Phase ones. Oh, not the, Um, okay. The one that had uh, uh, dwarf fencing with a unicorn on the cover.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah, Yeah, you know that one. Yeah, I
0: feel chestnut. I think it was Split Infinity. Oh. Oh. But, yeah, there was a planet where, like, they had magic, so science didn't work. That only makes sense if the way you're going to do that is the way that magic works is it creates a dreamlike state for everything where actions don't have consequences. Or the same ones, where where everything operates with a dream logic. If you're going to do that, then yeah, that's how you can have magic, but not science. Otherwise, like, their planet had fucking gravity. They had science. It's
1: a lot easier to write magic works and science doesn't than to explain how that would how yeah magic it works, wouldn't so.
0: make any sense like it i don't know that's something that always bothers me
1: i hadn't thought about it thanks for uh ruining it
0: hey no problem that's what i'm here for to ruin pierce anthony novels for everyone huh. yeah her her planet seems nice whatever i was bothered by that and her dad seems like i don't like her dad nice beard though he's got a good beard i wonder if his beard is like sometimes made out of fire the way her hair is mm. i wonder if that works for all their hair
1: Oh yeah, there's just a fiery-haired bunch.
0: Yeah, mm. like how how does that shit work? Magic, clearly.
1: <laughs> 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 oh, fuck you, party.
0: <laughs> Mammoth, we talked about him a little bit. Mm-hmm. He is tempting fate hard with some of his dialogue. Mm-hmm. Well, at first, when he first starts fighting the Titans, and Beast Boy has just punched Gizmo, and then he changes into a giant ape. And he punches Mammoth through a wall, mm-hmm. which is pretty rad. Mm-hmm. And Mammoth says, "Like his sister is like, you okay, dude?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Ah, insects can't hurt Mammoth. Nothing that lives can hurt Mammoth." Oh. Two panels later, Starfire blasts him with her star totally bolts, hurts mammoth. and he goes,
2: "Ah, that hurts, Mammoth." <laughs> but nothing can kill Mammoth. Oh, it's I like, can. dude, stop that shit.
1: He is not bright enough. Yeah, you
0: were talking to a man who has a tattoo that says, I hope nothing happens to this fresh-baked pie, who will often stand outside and say, Well, I don't see what could, what could possibly go wrong now. At least it's not raining, because I think that shit's funny. And I think that Mammoth is tempting fate too hard. Yeah, I know. Dude, don't say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially after you've been immediately disproven on your previous assertion that nothing can hurt, hurt you. Mm-hmm. Don't double down on that shit. Well, we'll see. Or do it in stages so that it's even more hilarious. Like, first say nothing can hurt you. and see, mm-hmm. we, Then say, like, nothing can break Mammoth's arm. Then get your arm broken. Mm-hmm. Then say, yeah, okay, but nothing can break Mammoth's other arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of what he's doing. We get a little more backstory on Raven. Mm, in that
1: we find the name of the, the
0: creepy... When well, she studied in Spirit Azeroth, King. she's fighting the Trigon is the dude who has eyes that she climbs up on that tower to yell at. And the Little Star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a different tone. In the pre- last issue, she climbs up on that weird mountain thing and she says, I'm really sorry, disembodied eyeballs. hmm
1: Yeah. Forgive me. Andrew's forgive like, oh, me.
0: It's like, no. She's like, oh. And this time she's just like, I will thwart you. I hate you. Mm-hmm disembodied eyes which do you think there's any chance that those disembodied eyes belong to the separated man <laughs> <laughs> uh, hmm. probably not because otherwise you would be yelling at disembodied ears
1: yeah yeah no yeah i don't think so. that chronologically it's possible but right I, I, I would really like
0: that actually yeah that <laughs> and be. then the way that the titans have to thwart them is to just get a bunch of teens with transistor radios and go bikes oh man they haven't ridden their go-bikes in forever.
1: I think that's been left behind. Sad. It is sad. They're all up. <sighs> Poor kids. Oh, never had a chance. She's awfully mysterious. I'm still annoyed by that. Yeah, she she is annoyingly mysterious. And has and she brainwashed Wally to just, like, be her ultimate defender? Or It
0: kind she... of seems that way. Because he doesn't really know what's going on, but he is like... Super all over, like, Robin's just like, hey, can you explain what's happening? And Kid Flash is like, don't talk to her that way, fuck you! And, like, belts him in the face.
1: Dude, sucks to be Robin, this issue. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it does. He has such a bad time. Yeah. It still amuses me, because I do like seeing him get socked. I
0: do, but I'm realizing more and more that's more his characterization in the original Teen Titans run. He is... Much less of an asshole in the new Teen Titans, I think.
1: Yeah, well, he's like, growing. He's growing up.
0: Yeah, he is. But that doesn't always pan out that way. Mm-hmm. Lot, lot of. Little... Well, there's
1: some history there. They still kind of want a lot of little
0: shits turn into big shits.
1: That's true too.
0: But no, he is ma- he's maturing. But like, yeah, man, he has a rough go of it this time. Yeah, it really does seem like Kid Flash is just like way too immediately over the top crazy defensive of Raven. And like the other Titans go off to do something. She's like, I'm not going. And he's like, then I'm not going either.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. She thinks she's got some mind control business yeah. going yeah. on. She, she's putting some kind of whammy on him. Yeah. Either that or the fact that she just shows, shows up, up in at, his bedroom. Yeah.
0: And, and it's just like... Hey, I should go. It's like, is that just what you teleported into my room to tell me? She's like, kind of.
1: I was like, but that's the closest I've ever been to a base. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And that just blew his uh, mind. Poor fella. Yeah, mind
0: controls. Although, hmm. Kid Flash does pull a weird move at the beginning. The social dynamics of the Teen Titans hanging out as buddies are weird. You got Donna bragging about the fact that she's not going to charge them for the sodas that she serves them. Mm -hmm. But what gets lost in that is Kid Flash is hanging out with his friends at his friend's apartment and he's kicking back and reading a book. Mm -hmm. He went over to somebody else's house to read a book with his group of friends, which means he just showed up with a book because like, well, you know, in case you guys are boring.
1: Yeah. Well, you don't do that? I don't think I do, do I? No. <laughs>
0: like, that's that's kind of a dick move.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess it's just they've all known each other since they were we. kids. That's not true, though. Like, I mean, he's known Donna and Dick
0: since they were kids. Mm. But, like, Cyborg's new. Cyborg isn't hanging out with them. Starfire uh, is new. And they don't really know Beast Boy that well. And they hung out with him some. Like, they've had some crossover adventures. But, like... Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, if you're going over to your friend's house to chill, look at the stars, drink some free sodas. Yeah. You don't bring a book. It's rude. It's mm-hmm. not a, that's not a group activity, Wally. But yeah, we also find out that Raven has the new gift of prophecy, which she never used to have. But yeah, she trained in there's so much backstory that gets of, of like three different characters. We find out Starfire's backstory, Simon's backstory, and some of Raven's backstory, although, yeah, there's a hell of a lot more that she needs to share. We're also, I just glossed over the fact that the Teen Titans are introduced to their new headquarters that's a giant building shaped like a giant T that they don't know where it came from, but they're like, oh, okay, let's hang out here. Seems trappy. Yeah, it seems super trappy. And they all kind of think that, mm-hmm. but are still just like, well, Raven's hey, like, free headquarters. Mind.
1: Yeah, and it hurt the way they draw her dialogue bubbles all squiggly too. Makes me think that she's got a weird voice.
0: Yeah, what do you think it sounds like? Never mind.
1: But That's like, pretty like Staticky. I think she sounds like
2: never mind. <laughs> Though never before had I possessed such powers of
1: precognition. Like Raven, damn it! Knock it off. <laughs> sorry guys
2: knock what off (laughs) this is how everybody in
0: azeroth
1: talks (laughs) shut up and drink your free soda
0: yeah yeah she's like so here's my backstory i was trained in the temper of azeroth and prepped in all the mystic arts Mm. that's pretty much all she decides to share of her backstory but that's how she's going to get them on her side It's like, oh, okay, you're right. I deserve to fill you in on what's happening. I'm from a place you've never heard of, and I was trained in the mystic arts. Oh, okay, good deal. Mm -hmm. She also tells them that this giant, weird-ass, crazy demon thing is going to be summoned by the Justice League, and then it'll kill everybody. Mm -hmm. That thing's called Goron, and it is fucking stupid looking.
1: Like a Tyrannosaurus Rex with a pug face and big old man eyebrows.
0: Yeah, kind of. I think my description of him was he looks like a toddler made of turds and
1: bad intentions. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't spent a lot of time around toddlers, so. I don't know.
0: I'm not saying color-wise. I'm just, doesn't he look like he's a toddler made of turds and bad intentions? Sure. He also does kind of look like a Tyrannosaurus with a pug face. He's an ugly, weird-looking demon that... I think he's supposed to be more intimidating than he is.
1: Mm. He's pretty big. Mm
0: -hmm. It's tough to tell the scale, but... Especially because one of the characters that's showing his size is the Atom. So he's big, and I guess he's going to eat the world or something. Or release Trigon to eat the world. It's confusing. And somehow the fearsome five are tied up in that and Simon is working for Trigon and he's going to trigger the apocalypse Mm -hmm. and everything bad is happening. Yeah. And so then they go and they fight the fearsome five again. And this time they get their ass kicked. Mm -hmm. There's a pretty funny panel where kid flash shows up to save the day. And Simon does something to either make bear either to make mammoth Faster or to slow Kid (laughs) Flash down or both. But Kid Flash is running and bragging about how fast he is. And Mammoth basically holds out one fist and just kind of almost accidentally bonks him on the head. Mm -hmm. And it goes thunk. It goes thunk, I think. Oh, does it? Oh, yeah. Swak was when Robin got hit. Yeah. And then, he, and then he passes out, but it's like, oh, man. You did not make a good showing for yourself, Kid Flash. No, he did not. Is there anything else about the issue you wanted to bring up before we get into the minutia? No, not really. Okay. You want to sing us
1: in? <clears throat> minutia! Let's start with dialogue or zinger.
0: Okay. What was your favorite dialogue or zinger?
1: I really... This isn't a zinger, per se, but I liked the the whole series of panels of introspection from Beast Boy. Oh, right. Where he's, he's walking around kind of forlornly by himself with his hands clasped behind his back. This is when they've just arrived
0: in the new Teen Tower,
1: right? The yep. mm-hmm. yeah. new Titan Tower. He's like t- just wondering to himself about trust issues and stuff.
0: What if, okay, do you think the T for the tower is supposed to stand for Teen and not Titan? I, I mean, it's a gift from somebody else. Uh I think they all assume it's the Titan Tower. It usually gets called the Titan Tower. It really changes the feel of the place if it's called the Teen Tower.
1: Yeah, it really does. I kind of like it better that way. Mm. I'm going to start calling it that, I think. We can do that. We can call it that. He says to himself, Kermit the Frog is right. It's not easy being green. That's true. Poor guy.
0: Yeah, it's about like six panels of him just having exposition of his, his inner thoughts, but he is voicing them. They're word bubbles, not thought bubbles. Of him, just like, why do I fuck everything up all the time? Mm-hmm. Make stupid jokes. I feel so alone. I can't catch a break. Mm-hmm.
1: It's kind of kind of sad.
0: I I, I, I think it, it's some good character development for it him.
1: me. It helped me not dislike him as much.
0: Yeah, he he's he's pretty obviously combating some legitimate depression over some awful things that have happened in his life. Yep. Uh, he's lost two sets of parents mm-hmm. and a whole super team of buddies. What does come right out of that is there There was one other thing I kind of wanted to bring up real quickly. He tur- then turns into a bunny and leaps into the next room.
1: But yeah, startled bunny.
0: Yeah. Cyborg asks if he's Bugs Bunny. And he's like, no, I'm Crusader Rabbit. Uh, if I was Bugs Bunny, I'd probably get sued. Mm-hmm. I just think that's kind of funny because now Warner Brothers has the same. It's Time Warner. Mm-hmm. And they own DC Comics, oh. so he wouldn't get sued anymore. Well, I just think that's kind of nice. Like, like, just like it's it, it's a weird moment of foretelling the future in which it, it, it's almost done with a wink, but they don't know that that's going to happen yet because that doesn't happen for another like twenty some years. Mm, if it's only just,
1: Raven were here to. I know. Maybe help us she. Out. Maybe
0: she did. Mm. Like, get up in his brain all Simon style and yeah. be like,
2: "Hey." DC is going to get bought by Time Warner. <laughs> what? <laughs> you should buy some stocks. I did
1: have a zinger, though. Okay, what was your zinger? It's actually almost, it's not quite a volley, but they, but they do go back and forth, and it's between stupid old uh, Simon and the cyborg. Oh, go ahead. And Simon's yelling at, I, I think, somebody on his team. But um, he says, silence, you dim-witted buffoons. Yeah, no, that was the one that I
0: had, too. Yeah, it's him yelling at, uh, I think it's him yelling at Dr. Light. And, yeah, silence, you dim-witted buffoon. That's an That's awesome just, thing to say. Yeah, it's a great thing to say. I'm yep. totally going to start saying that. Yeah, I love buffoon, I love dim-witted. Yeah, it's and it's a, it's a great villain thing to say. Mm-hmm. It zings. It's not quite on the par of human fool, but <laughs> it's good. It is pretty good. Yeah,
1: that was my favorite singer too. Oh, yeah, pleased to hear it. Alright, so, what was your show-and-tell moment? My show-and-tell moment was on page nine, and, uh, and it's when Beast Boy shows up as an angry bird and kind of hassles the little person, Gizmo, and then turns into his real self and punches him in the face. And <laughs> Gizmo's just like, what the fuck? Like, this like nobody hits me. But he literally says, hitting me? Nobody has done this. Nobody has hit Gizmo before.
0: Yeah. Hitting me? No one's ever hit Gizmo before. And it makes a speck when he hits him mm-hmm. and i like that beast boy is in his normal form when he's hitting him mm-hmm. i i also i was tempted by that just because the like i think the idea that somebody getting punched reacts by saying hitting me yeah it's fundamentally pretty funny yep um the one that i used was on page 22 and it is star uh, gizmo just beat up Starfire and sent her down to the center of the earth with extra gravity, which wouldn't have worked on her planet because they don't have science. Right. But Shimmer is fighting Wonder Girl and she uses her powers to slice a smokestack and push it down on top of Wonder Girl. (laughs) And Wonder Girl (laughs) says the smokestack falling as the smokestack falls on her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about with. I can turn anything into anything else is a bullshit power
1: because
0: mm-hmm. yeah she uses it to slice something in half by turning the molecules in it into air for like a finite second that's a bullshit power it's a baddest power to have though like if you oh it's it, it's uh, but yeah for writing, it's cheating storytelling it's cheating it's... i don't care for it okay okay that's they you you wish for a million wishes yeah, yeah no i know that's a good strategy but
1: <laughs> all right sartorially speaking
0: What did you think of some of the
1: outfits in this issue? Oh, man. There was two that stood out to me. Okay. Um, The first, I think, will not be a surprise to you. It's Shimmer's outfit, isn't it? Yep. All right. And the second was... uh, I thought that Cyborg really rocked the red uh, sweatsuit.
0: Yeah, no. And he's worn it before, and it's another one where if he is as he purports to be so frequently unhappy about, unhappy these. about being a cyborg and mm-hmm. kind of insecure about it in so many ways. I don't understand why, even if he doesn't want to wear the red sweatsuit, why doesn't he wear any clothes? <laughs> Cause what? he doesn't. Why not indeed? It's an interesting choice, but no, he looks really good in the red, uh, red sweatsuit. I don't know why he doesn't wear the red sweatsuit more. We also, once again, see Robin with part of his, tunic unbuttoned at mm-hmm. the beginning and this is less extreme and this is the first time that it hasn't looked really goofy to me when he doesn't have his costume all the way on it looks kind of like like if you're at a wedding and you start to get drunk and tire. like the t- the the suit mm-hmm. just starts coming apart
1: mm-hmm.
0: like first the tie gets untied and then mm-hmm. for a while the tie is like you just loosen it mm-hmm. and then the tie is untied and hanging around to your collar and then shirt gets all the way unbuttoned. <laughs> and you got the A shirt under it. And yeah, you've been to weddings. That's what happens, right? I um... You don't unbutton your shirt at a
1: wedding? No, shit.
0: You should. It's fun. Okay. <laughs> then oh. you dance, Corey. Oh, You dance. You dance like no one's watching. We should go to some weddings. We shouldn't, because now people are watching and they have
1: camera phones. <laughs> oh, that's true. I know! Somebody is always watching.
0: Ah, oh, it's the worst. Ugh. Can't dance like no one's watching anymore. Nope. Mm. Um, Who was your favorite outfit person? I think I am probably going with the sweatsuit. Although, Gizmo is rocking his own sweatsuit, and I kind of like his outfit, too. A little green, it's just A little green jumpsuit that has a bunch of pouches and pockets and shit. Uh, it's utilitarian, and it works for him. He has some shades. He looks kinda of like a little miniature snowboarder guy. Yeah. Plus I just saw time bandits and he kinda of reminds me like even if he might be one
1: of the time Aww. bandits. <laughs>
0: yeah. So I yeah. I think I'm gonna go with what I'm gonna call wedding drunk Robin.
1: <laughs> Fair enough.
0: I, I think that this is like I said, the first time when his costume's been partially dissembled
1: where it looks kinda cool. Fair enough. Alright. Sound effects. Hmm. I got one. And it's on uh, page 15, and it goes chock 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 chock, and that is Beast
0: Boy digging his way to the Teen Tower. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I liked that too. I also had <laughs> shoom, oh, yeah. which is the noise it makes when Simon is transferred from being a scientist into being a glass-headed douchebag with a shitty ponytail. Mm-hmm. Here's another thing about Simon that bothers me. He's mind-controlling the whole team, kind of, but he decided to piggyback on Dr. Light's ad in the paper. And I don't know why he was getting that paper already. Because this transformation, he says, happened yesterday. Wolfman's not great at establishing timelines. The timeline is really fuzzy. Yeah. So I don't know why he's getting a subscription to Supervillain Magazine or Supervillain Newspaper if he's just a scientist. And I also don't know, like, I don't know why Trigon would get that newspaper. Or where he would get it if they deliver to that weird cliff in another dimension. Maybe they do. Maybe that's why it's a very expensive paper. Don't poke too many holes. Too late. But, yeah, I I also don't get why Trigon needs to mind control Simon to be and turn him into a mind controller so that he can control other people's minds.
1: Why doesn't he just mind control those people? Maybe it's like cell phone towers. In what way? That you got to be close to one to get a signal.
0: Okay, that actually makes sense. Yeah. You're right, so he built a cell phone tower in Simon's glass head. Bingo. Got it. There is another sound effect that I really enjoyed, which is when Gizmo makes a missile go off in Robin's face. (laughs) And it goes,
2: Scrag!
0: This is a very phallic (laughs) missile. Well, that's kind of missiles.
1: Yeah, but the cloud of smoke and whatnot following it It is a very scrotal (laughs) (laughs) look to it fair enough which maybe that's a missile thing too i haven't seen a lot of missiles
0: so what was your favorite panel
1: you may not like this but my favorite panel was on page five and i titled it "Starfire's eden ah It's where the animals are frolicking around the base
0: of her big Greek-looking building
1: palace that she lives in. Yeah, and there's a weird kind of shadowy silhouette and stencil of her face superimposed over it yeah that that is story. really nice
0: and you can see her tears in that silhouette she too.
1: cries a lot in this comic book by the well, way Well,
0: which makes sense she's a very emotional person and they're establishing that about her mm-hmm. they didn't skimp on the design of the weird wildlife they're not distinctly analogous to any earth creature and they're pretty cool looking and they're all Different colors. It's not a bad picture. Um, yeah, I get that. For my favorite panel, I, I had a couple. Uh, one of them was the, the thonk head bonk of Kid Flash getting defeated. But I think my favorite is, it's it's a really simple one, but it's on page 22. And it's when Gizmo shoots this little disc onto Cyborg's arm. There's something about, he looks way more stylized in that than he normally does. This disc lands on his arm and his reaction is he's got these really computer-y looking exclamation points and question marks around his head. And there's just something about his reaction in that. And I I think it's really cool. And I think that's my favorite panel. Mm. It's a little one. It's a simple one, but I really enjoyed it. All right. So every issue has a Speedy, the worst Titan, and an Aqualad, the best
1: Titan. In this issue, who was your Speedy? You know, this is tough because none of them do particularly great.
0: Yeah. It, it's it's a failure issue for them. Mm-hmm. They're, in wrestling terms, they're about to, as a team, are waiting for the hot tag. So this is the part where they just get their ass kicked. Yep. Uh, but who who do you think uh, did the
1: worst? I think that, that Kid Flash acquits himself the most poorly of, huh. of the bunch in that he flies off the handle and causes trouble within his own teammate okay tries to read a book when he's supposed to hang out with his friends (laughs) right um gets trapped in an old his own speedy whirlwind yep and uh just generally doesn't really affect and then he gets bonked on the head when he comes to the (laughs) rescue just knocked out cold with a hammer fist from a
0: yeah i think that's i think that's fair I'm going with Robin, because he has a rough go of it this he issue. He really
1: does. He it's, I so feel much. for the guy. I feel uh, for him.
0: He, first, he gets punched by Kid Flash. Swock. Mm-hmm. With, with a mighty swock. <laughs> then, as they're flying to battle the Fearsome Five, Starfire gets zapped. She drops him, like, 20 stories into the water. <laughs> she's like, oh, I dropped Robin. And yeah, as she drops him, she says, I dropped Robin. <laughs> Which was a contender for my show and tell yeah, moment. Was good... He hits the water. It actually has an impact, unlike it normally does when characters fall from great heights into water. He barely drags himself under the shore and is just like, oh my god, every bone in my body is aching. I can't believe I had the energy to drag myself up to this pier. And as soon as he pulls his head up, Mammoth punches him in the face. And I'm not sure that it is not intentionally comical. Because mm-hmm. it is Funny as hell. It's like poor guy, man. You know,
1: he looks like a drowned rat coming. Yeah, out it's of the just water. like, oh
0: thank God, finally, air, boom, super powered individual punching non powered teenager in the face. It's so bad. It's gotta vaporize him. Mm. It's gotta be like, well, I guess Robin's dead
1: now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, he had a bad day.
0: He had a really bad day. And so I feel bad for him, but I think he's this issue speedy. Conversely Who is this issue's Aqualad? This issue
1: didn't really have an Aqualad. Every issue has an Aqualad. But in terms of, I guess, how much ass was kicked, um, I'm going to give it to Starfire. Okay. Because her star bolts um, seem to be the only thing that could affect our friend Mammoth. They did the first time. They didn't the second time. Mm -hmm. And they had no effect on
0: Dr. Light and, in fact, got used against her. Yeah, that sucked. And then she got weird space handcuffs put on her and she fell to the center of the Earth.
1: Yep, but she got right back up and jumped back into the fray. Okay. So good for not giving up. And then she gets knocked out again. My choice (laughs) was Beast Boy. I thought you might go Beast Boy
0: actually did pretty good for himself in this issue, I thought. That's true. Relative to the rest of the Titans. That's fair. He takes out Gizmo and briefly takes out Mammoth in pretty
1: short order. The monkey scene? Yeah, when he turns apes. into a giant
0: ape and throws him through a wall. Then he turns into a goat and takes out two of them at the end. Oh, yeah. Um, Cram. Yeah, and he has that moment of introspection that I actually really enjoyed. And he called out Donna for being a trust fund kid.
1: All right, good on Beast Boy then. I gotta
0: say, Beast Boy, not generally a huge fan. And I'm still not calling him Changeling. <laughs> no? But he did pretty good for himself this issue. He is, amazingly, this issue's Aqualad. Bravo, Beast Boy. Indeed. Is there anything else you want to bring up about the issue? No, I think that covers it. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It is Thanksgiving tomorrow, and the thing that I'm most thankful for is you, dear listeners. Thank you. I'm also thankful for you, Corey. or my brother.
1: Ah, thanks, buddy. Yeah, likewise.
0: Um, but thank you so much for, for listening. It's, it's a real treat. I've gotten some great feedback. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can do so at ttwasteland at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, at ttwasteland underscore. See us on Facebook. Uh, I love hearing from you guys. And yeah, I've I've gotten some really interesting and some really thoughtful letters from you, and I appreciate that. And yeah, if you feel like leaving us a review on iTunes, that would be helpful. We've gotten a lot of new listeners lately. Thanks, in large part, to a wonderful plug that we received from the terrific, I'm running out of adjectives, uh, Jane Miles, and you should all... Please listen to Jane Miles explain the X-Men. Firstly, because I'm grateful and they're they're awfully nice people. But secondly, because they put on a great podcast that is really, really good and well-researched and well-written and funny and informative. And uh, yeah, you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not listening to it. Fortunately, you all do. Yeah. And yeah, if you would like to donate to us, you can do so at Patreon dot com backslash tt wasteland and i would appreciate that and uh for the next couple of months those are those donations are going to be going to uh, a couple of different charities after that they will go back to buying us whiskey and comic books that's a cause we can all believe in but yeah uh thank you so much you've been very generous we've gotten some new donors and i appreciate that and we will talk to you soon happy thanksgiving
1: gobble gobble
2: gobble gobble oh
1: thanks raven
0: yeah she's a turkey now
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: sticking to the bird theme
1: yeah that's mysterious oh i
0: wonder if there was ever a point in which they thought about making her a turkey instead of a raven yeah i don't the know the turkey mm. or just turkey
2: no it doesn't cause sound no. as
1: no because that's back then they were saying like hey turkey
0: oh they did say turkey a lot
1: yeah yeah. Like, in a, not in a nice... Not way. in a nice Ben Franklin way. No. But in a mean yeah. way. Not like a wild turkey. Like a domesticated turkey. Yeah. Got got and they knew
2: it.
0: Aquaman and the Space Capsule! Suffering sharks, what's that light? Perhaps a meteor from another planet. Whatever it is, Aquaman, it's going to crash near here! A U.S.
1: space capsule? But it's sinking instead of floating! Telethought waves will get the porpoises to bring the capsule to our undersea city. Where are
2: we? I don't know, but I don't like the looks of these undersea
1: aliens. Aliens. Aliens? We live beneath the seas of your own planet, Earth. We can prove it. Look. Hostess fruit pies. Real fruit filling. Apple and cherry. My favorite.
2: And the white tender crust I like so much.
1: You do. Outer space had a lot of interesting things to see.
2: But only Earth has Hostess fruit pies to eat. You You get a big big delight in every bite of Hostess Hostess fruit fruit pies.
1: pies. (laughs) I did a bad job.
0: Yeah, you did. (laughs) Hug your butts. Everyone. Everybody, please hug your butt. Do it. (laughs) Feels good.
1: (laughs)